reboot. I wonder this morning what we need to lay down once and for all. Um, Is it prejudice, bias, relationships, burdens? I would encourage you to pray about that and think about that and let the Lord speak to you this morning. Um, The title of my song is um, Once and for All. God, I give you what I can today. These scattered ashes that are hid away, I'll lay it all at your feet. From the corners of my deepest shame, the empty places where I've worn your name. Show me the love I say I believe. Oh, help me to lay it down. Oh, Lord, I lay it down. Oh, let this be. My Lord with thee Crucified Be lifted high As my kingdom's fall Once and for all Once and for all There is victory in my Savior's loss And in the crimson flowing from the cross Pour over me Pour over me Yes, oh let this be Where I die Lord, with thee crucified, he lifted high as my kingdom's fall once and for all, once and for all. Crucified 
once and for all. Once and for all. Oh, once and for all. Once and for all. Praise the Lord. Imagine every one of us has something to lay down this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We'll read through verse 42 this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And uh, we want to welcome our Facebook family and friends. Thank you all for being with us today. We pray that uh, you're having a good morning as we are here at uh, Hopewell. So look, if you will, in your Bibles as we continue to talk about a reboot. Talk about reboot on Sunday mornings. The idea of a reboot is sometimes you... Uh, you get kind of stuck where you are, you get at a place where you're, especially with your computer, kind of freezes up, it won't do anything, and you have to do the old Control-Alt-Delete, shut everything down and start over. And uh, Jesus is willing to give us a reboot, a refreshing, a restart. And that's the idea here, kind of the beginning of the year that we're talking about, is how to have a reboot or a restart uh, with Jesus. And also, when we have a restart with him, it's very possible, very probable that we'll have a restart uh, with a lot of other things in our lives as well. So, look if you will to Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 46 through uh, 52. Now, they came to Jericho. And as he, Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Anytime you see the word bar, B-A-R, the letters B-A-R in front of a word, that means son of, okay? So Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. And he sat by the road begging. And when they had heard, when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni or Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately... He received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Well, probably uh, all of us need a reboot, right? All of us need a reboot, a reset at different times in our lives, different places in our lives. I heard Jim Cimbala talk about one time when he, um, he's pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in uh, New York City. So imagine being in New York City as a pastor there. One Easter, they had had a, a big outreach. They had three services that day, lines of people waiting to get in the building around the, around the block. And this was a really busy, busy time. He had preached uh, three sermons that day. At the end of the third sermon, he, of course, just, if you can imagine, he's just worn out. Um, the pray, he has a prayer team, prayer band. They were all ministering around the altar. And, and Jim was sitting down here um, on the altar just kind of just wore out, just sitting there. When he saw a, a guy, obviously from the street, uh, walked in. He was kind of standing off from Jim. Jim said he looked like he was about 50 years old. In actuality, he was 32. And uh, he said at that time, they had a lot of people. You can imagine New York City, a lot of people coming in, um, trying to mooch money off of people. They'd go to 25 different people in the church saying, we need subway fare to get home, that kind of thing. And so his immediate response was, here's another guy trying to mooch money, you know. And 
So he kind of nodded to the guy. The, the guy's kind of had his hat in his hand, kind of waiting to see if he could approach Jim. And Jim nodded at him, so he uh, approached him. And Jim said when he did, the smell hit him. And uh, he said it was one of the worst smells he had ever smelt in his life. And he worked in a dairy farm as a teenager, so he knew what bad smells are, right? And so this guy uh, approached him that way, and, and Jim's like, well, maybe he wants some lunch money or something like that. So Jim pulls his wallet out to give the guy some money. When he does, a guy named David, he pushed his hand down, and he said, I don't want your money. I'm going to die on the streets. I need this Jesus that you're talking about. And Jim said when he said that, it just broke his heart. He said, the guy said, I, I'm an alcoholic. I have problems with drugs. I slept in my truck last night. And Jim asked him, why didn't you sleep in a shelter? He said, people get killed in shelters. And he freaked out, worried, probably got all manner of things going on. And, and Jim said, when he said, I don't want your money. I want that Jesus you're talking about. He said, something broke in him. And God just broke his heart. And he said, when it happened, David saw it. That's amazing when you, something, God breaks your heart and other people can see it, right? He said when it broke, David saw it, and he came forward, and he laid his head on Jim's chest, and Jim grabbed him in a big hug, and they just started rocking back and forth. And Jim said he realized in that minute that that guy needed Jesus, and he needed Jesus. He said we both needed Jesus. Jesus. In our words today, I believe Jim would have said, we both needed a reboot. Both needed a reset, a refreshment. And he said it was, it was like Jesus said to him, you know, Jim, if you can't stand that smell, to minister to people that smell that way, you're going to have a hard time following me. Because the whole world smells worse than that to me. And I sent my son anyway. And Jim said he began to talk to David, began to minister to David. They got him in, in detox, and so he went to rehab, got into detox. detox. Uh, that Thanksgiving, David had uh, lunch at Jim's house. That Christmas, David spent Christmas with Jim and his family. They just sort of put their arms around him. And uh, just a couple of years later, David uh, was serving in their church, married a beautiful woman. And a couple of years after that, he was ordained to the gospel ministry. All because of, that's a reset, amen? <laughs> that's a reset in Pastor Jim's life. That's a reset in David's life. And uh, if you think you might need a reset after that, say me too. And I say me too with my hand up very, very first. We'll look at it today because here's the thing. All of us need that. The verse that God has really used in my life in this series is Psalm 5110 from the Message Translation where the Bible says, God, make a fresh start in me create a Genesis week from the chaos of my life, for a fresh start, God, a fresh start in me and my family, my relationships and my mind and my emotions, all these different places. Because here's the thing, every one of us tends to drift away. We tend to drift away from God. We tend to drift away from meaningful relationships. And here's the thing. When we drift away from God and we drift away from meaningful relationships, where do we go? We drift into ourselves, to fold kind of into ourselves. And so we need a reset. I was reading a while back where it said that, and I don't know this is exactly accurate, but it makes a good illustration. But they said that the Apollo rockets that went to the moon, that, I mean, 
pinpoint accuracy. Uh, these guys landed on the moon. Pinpoint accuracy. They land back on the earth. And they say that those rockets were off course 97% of the time. Now, I don't know if that's exactly true or not, but I do know they're constantly making course corrections. And you'll do that on your way home today, right? When you get in the car to drive home uh, and you get down Brooklyn Road, you're not going to turn the steering wheel loose and just let it go, right? You're going to constantly be making course corrections. And that's kind of what a restart, kind of what a reboot is. Sometimes you really drift and you need sort of a radical reset. Sometimes you're drifting just a little bit. You need to make more of kind of a, what I would call a regular reset. And today we're going to look at a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. And Blind Bartimaeus is a guy that needed a reset. He's a blind guy, and he hears about Jesus coming by, and Mark uh, writes about him. We're going to look at his story today, and we're going to see how Jesus gave him a reset, a reboot in his life, and we're going to talk about three questions, all right? Three questions that I would encourage you to ask God. Would you be willing to do that? Say Amen. Okay, three questions to honestly ask God, these three questions, and the, and the idea that God, if you'll show me the answer to these three questions, I believe I'll have a refreshment, a restart, a reboot with you. So let's look at it. Number one, uh, where am I? The good, a good question, where am I? And I know you're at Hopewell Baptist Church, but where are you spiritually in your relationship with God? Where are you in your family? Where are you in your friendships? Where are you emotionally today? Because here's the thing, whenever uh, you're asking for directions, a lot of times, I, could, I did this not too long ago, I was somewhere, I wanted to go find something, and so I pulled my phone out and I asked for directions, and uh, the first thing that came up is what? Searching for location. <laughs> Searching for, because what? If you don't know where you are, you don't know where to go. And so we want to see where we are. We locate ourselves and ask Christ, where are we? In order to get where I want to go, I need to ask, where am I? And ask it to God, okay? Not just kind of, don't compare yourself with somebody else. Don't look at somebody else and say, well, I think I'm doing better than them. No, ask God, God, where am I? Now, Bartimaeus was in a city called Jericho. This was a time of a festival in Jerusalem. A lot of people are going through Jericho. It's kind of like uh, spring break is going to be around here in Andalusia. A lot of beach traffic, right? They had a lot of festival traffic. Now, they didn't mind it. This was good. This was celebratory. It's like a big parade, good for business. It's a, it's a religious holiday. And so a lot of people are passing by. A lot of people are having a big time. But Bartimaeus isn't. He's blind. He's sitting beside the road. He's not celebrating. He's begging for the very basic things of life. Look at verse 46 in the New Living Translation. Then they reached Jericho. They is Jesus and his followers. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Now, the only way for this guy to survive is to beg. And they didn't have disability in those days, didn't have, you know, uh, Social Security in those days. And the only way he really has to earn a living, get food and things like that is either his family takes care of him or he begs for food. And that's, that's what Bartimaeus is doing. And interestingly enough, he's the only blind guy named in the Bible. There's a lot of blind people in the Bible, none of them are named, but Bartimaeus. Now watch what happens. So remember verse 46, where is he at? Look at the last line there. He's sitting beside the road. And watch what happens in verse 52. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight 
and he followed Jesus. Where is he at now? On the road. He starts off begging beside the road. He ends up following Jesus on the road. Somebody say reboot. <laughs> right? That's a restart. That's a refresh. I mean, that's a different thing. In Mark 10, 46, Bartimaeus is sidelined. Okay? He's sidelined. Dreams are sidelined. His hopes are sidelined. His um, idea of what he wanted to be when he grew up. Side I mean, everything that would make for a healthy and productive and joyful life has been sidelined in Bartimaeus' life. And yet, when Jesus passed by and he had a personal, everybody say personal, had a personal encounter with Christ, his whole life was changed. And so here's the question to ask, where am I and do I have to stay here? Where am I? If you're in a good place, thank God for it and keep doing what you're doing to stay there and to grow there. If there's a place where you need a refreshment, a restart, and almost all of us has a place like that. We need to ask ourselves, do you believe if you have a real relationship with Jesus that you really have to stay there? Or can Jesus give you a fresh start? So where are you really today? Think about it. Where are you really spiritually today? Where are you in your relationship with Christ? Where are you mentally today? Where are you emotionally today? Where, what kind of deal is going on there? Where are you relation? Where are you with your family? Where are you with your friendships? Are you, are you in a good, healthy place? What about in your job, in your career, your school? What about, what about in, in physically, in your health? Where are, ask God, where are you at? Why? Watch this. So you can get where God wants you to be and where you probably really want to be. When we experience God in His fullness, we find out that where God wants us to be is really where we want to be. You know, a lot of times it's hard for us to take time out and really ask God, where am I? I think there's two reasons why we take it, where we have, find, a hard time, find it hard to take a look at where we are. I think one reason we find it hard is because we're so busy. We're just busy, 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 and, we, and we, we get caught up in the same routines, and it's hard to stop and ask, why am I here? Where am I really? I think the other reason why it's hard to ask, where am I, is that we're afraid of the answer. We're comfortable. Life's not great, but it's not horrible. We don't know what a reset would look like, and so I think a lot of times we're a little bit afraid of where we really are. By the way, do you know what the first question God asks in the Bible is? Where are you? <laughs> First question God asked in the Bible, Genesis 3, 8 through 10. Adam and Eve had it going on with God, great relationship, and they sinned, took things into their own hands, did things their own way. They know better than God. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid. That's what we do a lot of times. You know, I'm probably talking to somebody right now that's hiding from God. Pretending that everything's great. In your heart of hearts, you know, you're not that far from going off the rails. You, you know that when you pray, there's, if you pray at all, there's no real connection there. And you know that you dread going to the Bible if you go there at all. And you really, if you had a good enough excuse, you probably would have skipped church today. I want to encourage you to come out of hiding today. Because watch what it says. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man where are you? He replied, I heard you walk in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. 
I knew I wasn't, I knew I'd sinned. I knew I wasn't measuring up, so I hit. Now, when God says, where are you? He knows where you are. What he's asking is, why are you where you are? Why are you where you are emotionally? Why are you where you are in your relationship? Why, why are where you are in all these different places? Because we hide, watch this, we hide from our past through denial. Well, I'm not as bad as other people could have been. We hide from our relationships through distancing. We don't talk about the real hard things that we need to talk about. We hide from ourselves through distractions, and we hide from God through our doubts. God really probably won't do anything much about it anyway. And so we need to ask ourselves, what about a reboot? Let me ask you a question this morning. If you had to take a guess, especially those of you who've been here through this series and, and been thinking about a reboot, where have you sensed that you most need a reboot with God? Where's God, where's God been kind of pushing on you at? Where's God been convicting you at? This is your first time in the series. Let me ask you a question. If you had to take a wild guess, where does God I want to give you a fresh start. Where, where is it that you need to come to God and say, this is where I am, and it's not a very good place, and I want to move to where you want me to be? Second question I want you to see, who am I listening to? First of all, where am I? Secondly, who am I listening to? Because here's the thing, who you're listening to has a huge impact on your life, huge. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 47 in the New Living Translation. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd, called, and the crowd said, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. He's shouting at Jesus and the crowd is shouting, be quiet. He didn't listen to the crowd. Praise God. Where would he be if he had listened to the crowd? He did not listen to the crowd. He listened to Jesus. Why? Because he shut the crowd out. He did not pay attention to what most people, everybody say most people, what most people were saying and what most people were doing. He did not listen to that. He drew, new, drew near to Christ. Let me ask you a question. You listening to the crowd or you listening to Jesus? Because the crowd's all around you, Right? The crowd's on your phone, the crowd's on your screens, the crowd's on your team, the crowd's in your friendships, the crowd's at work. The crowd is always there and they're shouting at you to go a, a particular direction. You cannot listen to them and Jesus at the same time. So let me show you a couple of differences between the crowd and Jesus. Can I do that? A couple of differences. The crowd shouts and Jesus whispers. Right? The crowd shouts and Jesus whispers. The crowd shouts to Bartimaeus, be quiet, because he's embarrassing them. Here's a blind guy. It's a big part, a lot of people around, and he's embarrassing them. He's undignified. This is not what he's supposed to be doing. How many of you know that you might have to get a little bit undignified to get to Jesus? You might have to be willing to apologize to somebody. You might have to be willing to lose a little bit of your self-respect. You might have to lose a little bit of your, um, what you think your image ought to be and how classy and how cool and all that you are. You probably got to lose a little bit of that to really get close to Jesus and hear what he's trying to say. The crowd shout. Jesus tends to whisper. You got to get up close. You got to want to hear what Christ is saying to you. The crowd interrupts and Jesus invites. <laughs> The crowd interrupts. They're, they're, they're getting in the way. They don't want. Listen, do you know that most of the world does not want you to follow Jesus? 
They don't. Now, hopefully you've got some friends that do. Hopefully your parents do. Hopefully you got some people in your church. You, you obviously you do. But a lot of the crowd is going to try to interrupt you, try to ignore you or distract you, get you somehow, some way. Understand, that's part of following Jesus. You got to accept the crowd's going to interrupt, but Jesus invites. Aren't you glad? Don't you know David was glad when he's standing there facing Pastor Simbola and he wants to come close, but he knows he smells bad. He knows he's a problem. He knows he's interrupting. He knows he's not at the place where, you know, the right kind of people are supposed to be. Don't you know when he saw something break in Pastor Simba's heart that he was so happy that he was being invited close. Jesus invites you to get as close as you want to get. Third thing is the crowd waffles, but Jesus never wavers. (laughs) The crowd waffles. You notice how the crowd waffles here? Be quiet. Shut up. You're bothering him. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, call him here. Hey, go to him. Go to Christ. Get up. Follow him. The crowd changes direction. Here's what I want you to see. The crowd will do that. The world is going to change its stance all over the place. This is popular today. That's going to be popular tomorrow. This is out out of bounds today. This is going to be out of bounds tomorrow. This gets canceled today. This gets canceled tomorrow. Aren't you glad that Jesus is truth and his truth never changes? You can stand on it. You don't have to try to fit in with the new wave. You don't have to fit in with the new thing that's happening. What Jesus said is truth. To walk in love, walk in forgiveness, walk in humility, walk in purity. These things never change. The crowd waffles, but Jesus never wavers. Jesus will always be able to tell you, this is the right path. Walk in it. Um, I was reading Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 this morning in my quiet time. I was reading out the New Living, I was reading out several, but the New Living Translation really hit me because uh, we tend to say the New King James, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. New Living Translation says uh, to trust in Him, and He will show you the way to go. (laughs) Don't you like that? Trust Him, trust His truth. And he will show you the way to go. Last of all, the crowd cares about itself. Jesus cares about you. Isn't that good? The crowd cares about itself, how you make them feel. Watch out. Anytime you're in a close relationship with somebody and it's all about how you make them feel, that's a piranha, okay? They're trying to feed off of you. Jesus cares about the real you who you are, what you're like, what your personality is, how you feel in the middle of the night when you wake up and can't go back to sleep. Jesus cares about you. Let me let you learn the last thing, and that is this. What do you want? Where am I? What am I listening to? And what do I want? I wonder today if you got the courage, if you'll be willing to be honest enough to go to Jesus and say, Lord, this is what I really, really want. Look at what the Scripture says in Mark 10, 51. Jesus says to the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Seems like a silly question for to ask a blind man, but think of the answers he could have given. I want some money, right? I want a better place to beg. I want a home. I want a family that will take care of me. It's all manner of things. I mean, we think about that, but listen, if he doesn't think Jesus can heal him, he's going to ask for something a lot less. And also, if he asks for sight, then he's going to have to do He's going to have to get a job. 
He had to provide for himself. He's got to take some responsibilities on himself. It comes with some things. But I think one of the biggest things is he goes from a blind man on the side of the road to a guy with sight on the road because he believes Jesus can. He believes Jesus will. And he gets up close and says, this is what I really want. Can you sense this more? Oh, I wish, you, I wish we could sense this. I wish every one of us this morning could sense Jesus sitting right beside you and asking you, what do you really want? If you could ask of Jesus one thing, what is it that you really, really want? Now, we know that the possibility is if we say that, Jesus will say no. <laughs> right? We know that. Why? Because he can't give everybody everything they want. It would be chaos. Okay? Not everybody can date the beautiful girl, right? Not everybody can marry the, 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 the guy that's got everything all together. Not everybody can get the best job in town. Not everybody's team can win on the same day, okay? You can't get everything everybody wants, okay? That's not going to happen. In fact, right before this story, there were some guys that asked Jesus for something, and he said, I'll tell you, he told them no. Look in Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? There's the question. What do you want? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand, the other at your left hand in glory. They were not embarrassed to ask for something big, were they? We want to be the top two guys in eternity, man. <laughs> I mean, you're head coach. We want to be offensive, defensive coordinators here. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup? The cup is suffering. And the baptism is, is suffering. Can you suffer. You what you're asking for is going to cause a whole bunch of suffering that you don't know anything about right now. So sometimes when we ask for something, we don't really know what we're asking for. You say, well, then why should you ask? Well, you ask so you can have a conversation with Jesus because here's the thing. If you say, Jesus says to you, just imagine he's sitting with you this morning. What do you really want? Well, I want to be successful. I want a lot of money. I want to end this relationship. I, I, I want this relationship to be better. I want the pain to stop. Can you hear God ask today, why do you want that? Why do you want that? If you had that, if you had that thing, the pain stopped, or the marriage got better, or you ended the marriage if that's what you want to do, or, or, you, or you had the money that you want, or you had the dream job that you want, do you really think that's going to satisfy you from now on? So that's why Jesus invites you to have the conversation when you say, why do you want this? We can hopefully lead you to the place where you say, you know what I really want, what I really need is to be loved and to feel loved. And that's only going to come from Jesus. What I really want and what I really need is to be secure and feel secure. To know that I'm going to be provided for. To know that I'm going to have meaningful relationships. And this all starts with your relationship with Jesus. So here's your weekly growth suggestion this week. Talk with Jesus about what you really want and listen to what he has to say about that. Because here's the place we want to get to. We want to get to Matthew 6.10, right? Where we say, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What you and I really have been created to be and created to desire, created to want is a relationship with God 
based on, on grace and faith that God has done for you. don't have to measure up. You don't have to clean up your life before you come to Jesus, that he will accept you on the basis of what Christ did for you. And that you will be, if you, when you do that, when you say yes to Jesus, you will be completely accepted by God. You will be extremely valued by God. You'll be totally forgiven by God. You'll be loved unconditionally. You can have, and the key is for us to say, Lord, what I want is to experience you deeper, to experience you in a more real way, to have a, a, a reset where I'm drifted off of what you want for me, and I've gotten selfish and started grabbing things, and I grab things, and what I end up grabbing in my selfish state will not satisfy me. I was reading the story this last week by a guy named Vinny. Um, several years ago, Vinny was living on the streets of New York as well, as a matter of fact. Did two different places I found these stories, but uh, Vinny was living on the street, and his words, in Vinny's own words, living like a dog. Living in the, uh, he wasn't in the show, he was just living on the streets, living in the park. And there was a group from a place called the Bowery Mission. The Bowery Mission in New York is a Christian mission. It's one of the oldest Christian missions in the United States. And there was a group of volunteers from the Bowery Mission that used to go and uh, go to Vinny. They knew where Vinny was and they would bring him uh, food and drink and invite him to come to the mission. Come to the mission. You have a place to stay, have a bed to sleep. Uh, you know, we've got all kinds of programs can help you. And, and Vinny was kind of out there, alcoholics, on drugs, on the streets, and all kind of weird voices in his head. He just, he wasn't quite there yet. And finally, one day, Vinny decided to go uh, to the mission. And when he went to the mission, he said, my mind was still pretty messed up, but when I went to the mission, I started hearing about Jesus. I started seeing Jesus in people's eyes, in people's mannerisms, the way that people treated me. Here's what Vinny said. Jesus conquered me, not with a knife, and not with a switchblade, and not with a gun. He conquered me with love. And he said the people of the mission would encourage me to read the Bible. He said, I never read as much as they wanted me to. He said, my mind was pretty scattered and kind of, kind of weird out there. And, but he said I would, I, I would focus on reading the stories about Jesus focused on the Gospels. And he said, I, I saw there that Jesus was a man of love. And Jesus was a man of grace. And Jesus was a man of truth. And Jesus was a man who, who was willing to forgive me. And he said, as I begin to, to hear these things, visit your brothers in prison, visit your brothers in the hospital, even over in Hebrews where some have treated strangers with kindness and entertained angels. And Vinny believed that. Believed it. And so... Uh, Came to Christ, went to detox, went to rehab. Then he began to work the front desk at the mission. And he said one of the things that motivated him is these, all these guys, homeless guys, gals, drunk, alcoholics, addicts, all these guys come in. He said, it always drove me. This might be an angel coming in the door. <laughs> this may be an angel unaware. And so when a, another guy came in and started working with him, uh, it was a guy named Martin. And he began to challenge Martin, came to Christ as well. And then he began to challenge Martin. Love like Jesus loves. You might be, it might be somebody's last chance. It might be their last chance to meet Jesus, and it might be an angel. And he said, you know, nobody, he, then he said, when I came to the mission, nobody wanted me but Jesus. Then he ended up dying of AIDS. Um, he contracted in the life before uh, he met Jesus. 
But he had such an impact on Martin that Martin became a strong follower of Jesus. He, he continues to work in the mission, the Bowery Mission. Martin was able to meet a Christian girl, and they got married, and they had a baby, and they named their baby Vinny. Because the re, Vinny got the restart. Vinny got the refresh. He got the reboot. And then he was able to share it with somebody else and help them find the very same. Would you stand, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? With heads bowed and eyes closed, as the word says that Vinny's joyful testimony, his joyful testimony impacted so many other people. And that's what we want, a refreshment, a restart, a reboot in Jesus that so impacts our lives, it impacts the lives of the people around us. So this morning, if you've never been saved, this is the day. I want to encourage you to give your heart and life to Jesus. And if you're drifting, there's an area of your life you're drifting, you need to start fresh. Maybe you've kind of gotten blinded spiritually, blinded emotionally, blinded in your relationships. And you need to say, Jesus, this is where I am. I want to listen to you, see where you want me to be. Maybe you need to come kneel at the altar today. Just lay something down. Ask God for a restart in your own personal life today. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd help us to see, Lord, where we're at, where you want us to go, and how we can draw close to you to see where you are at work in our life. See what you want to do to get us where we need to be. It's going to be a song playing over the sound system softly this morning. You need to make a decision for Jesus, make it right now. I'll be glad to share with you how to be saved, be glad to pray with you. The altar is open, you come kneel, nobody mess with you, just come kneel and pray and then go back to your seat. As the song plays right now, would you step out and come to Christ?